Good morning, church family. Good to see you all today. You know, I just uh, am always excited as the autumn comes and the weather changes and the mornings get nippy. Uh, I love the fall. But uh, I just love coming to church even more because God's presence is here with us today. And he invites each one of us as his children to join together as we worship and praise him. I do want to thank each one of you who take the liberty to fill out the connection card that is in front of you in the pew. And uh, member, guest, whatever it may be, we just value hearing from you. And you can drop them in the towers as you leave the church. And before you go out into the foyer, you'll see some other towers. Just drop them in there. It just gives us opportunity to get a chance to know who's here. And if you're a guest, we appreciate that. If you have any prayer requests, please make note of them on the card. For we and our staff meetings pray over these cards. And we appreciate that. And we thank you. Um, you'll see that in the bulletin, you do have the white piece of paper. Please take note of all the activities that are taking place within our church. Uh, we're a productive church as far as outreach within our community and what the Lord wants us to do. Uh, make one note, and that would be, please, Mosaic is next week at 4 o'clock next Sabbath in the community room. Hmm? 4.30. Okay. Well, if you come at 4 o'clock, that's okay, right? But we enjoy having each and every one of you to come if you could. It's, it's a blessing and a joy. Larissa and her team put together a wonderful activity. Not activity, but a time of worship where we sing and praise and pray. And what a joy. And I just want to welcome each one of you and those of you online. And we want to welcome you as well because we are all God's children no matter where we're at. And that's always a joy to know. At this time, we're going to have the opportunity to talk to God. And so Bill Nicholas is going to come up and I will let him in turn lead us in prayer. Shall we bow our heads? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is your name? No, really, who are you? You are the creator of the universe. You are the, the God who sent Jesus into time and space to rescue us, to build a bridge to us. You are the God who, who created everything we see around us. You're the God who, who built us to love you and to be loved by you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is your kingdom? According to Jesus, your kingdom is the group of people who love you and love each other. Your kingdom be built on this earth. Give us... Give us the strength and the courage to make relationships with each other and to share the, our experience that we have with you, with each other, and, and help us to resist the temptations that we see in the world today to think of other people as less than human, to think of other people as the other, somebody not worthy of our love and our, and our attention and, and sharing the word of you, the, the, our experience with you. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, for me, every morning, I have to ask you for the courage and the strength to do everything that scares me about every morning. But for everybody, 
Give us this day our daily bread. We may not be able to know what it is that you, we, we may not get the strength for every week or for every month or for every year, but Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this opportunity to, to come to you each day and to, and, to, and to reach out in supplication and in honor for you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are so many things that the, that the adversary has given us. Allow us to maintain that connection with you so that the still small voice that you give us will give us peace when we're doing what you want us to do. Help us to have that connection with you through study, through whatever form our prayer takes with you, so that the, your Holy Spirit, the living water, will flow through us and remove the temptations that we have for sin and for missing the mark with you to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is just a reminder to our kids that after this song, uh, you guys will be heading out to Children's Church and you'll be meeting Miss Keeney up here. Just a reminder after this first song. Go ahead and stand with us as we worship our God in song. you have won your love is failing lord 
Head to Children's Church. Miss Kinney is up here on the left. My left. i 
Pray with me. Precious Father in heaven, we welcome you into our sanctuary. We welcome you into our hearts. Fill this place with your angels. Bless this sermon with your Holy Spirit. I do not know who needs what, and I ask you that you would use these words not as mine, but as yours from your word. I thank you for the Sabbath day. I thank you so much that we are together. Bless us in this hour. Amen. I have to tell you, I took this sermon because I thought, joy, you can't go wrong with that. I can just tell fun stories about all the joyful things that Jesus did for me until I really started studying about joy. And God gave me such a deeper understanding because it's not about happiness and everyday things. Joy is a beautiful, deep response that comes from walking with God. It is a response of knowing that he hears you, that he remembers you, that he loves you. It is joy is a fruit of being in the presence of God. And it's not a big, shiny, you know, ooh, electrical moment. It is a simple, quiet leading of the voice of God in your life. So I want to start... I'm going to uh, look at the lives of actually three women. And here we go. Um, I have great joy right now. <laughs> These are two of my very good friends, and they made it. <laughs> Talk about joy. Okay, we're going to start in the book of Samuel. Now, you guys know these stories, so I'm going to hop through them. But I'm going to tell you the story of three women maybe four. Um, the first one is Hannah. And Hannah is in 1 Samuel 1, 5 through 7. Okay. This is where you first begin to know her. Hannah is a woman who is married to an Israelite but he doesn't live with the rest of the Israelites, so he's probably kind of a nominal Israelite. But we do know he goes to temple once a year. And when he goes to Shiloh, he goes there to make an offering. And he has two wives, two wives. And one is named Penaniah, but the second one is Hannah. And Penaniah had lots of daughters and sons. 
but poor Hannah had no children. So it begins, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and she did not eat. So here's this woman in this horrendous condition. And if you can comprehend, first of all, it would have been considered a curse of God that you could not have children at that time period. And for her, the fact that this first, this other wife had so many children and she didn't have any. And her husband's like, I don't know what's wrong, you know? <laughs> I love this story. He says, aren't I as good as 10 sons? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> he just didn't get it. He didn't get why that was heartbreaking for her. So they're at this meeting and Hannah is weeping so hard that she leaves the meeting. You know the story. It's an old story. And in verse 10 and 11, she goes into the tabernacle. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed that the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but I will give your maidservant a male child, but will give your maidservant a male child. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So as she is crying, it says, it tells us that she, does, she is not speaking out loud. She's just talking to herself, and she's weeping, and, you know, probably rocking and throwing herself, and the priest of the temple sees her, and he says, oh, look at this. She's drunk. Why are you coming into my temple drunk? Stop drinking. Stop doing these things, and she's so upset, and um, down in 15, uh, oh, oh, I just explained 15, so let's go on down to 17. Then Eli answered and said to her, the priest came out, and she says, please don't think I'm a, a wicked person. I'm not drinking. I'm not drunk. I'm praying because my heart is broken. And Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maid certain find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So she now had a promise. She had prayed because she thought if she just had a son, it would fix everything in her life. And as the, she conceives this son, and as she stays with him till he is weaned, she does not even go to the temple once a year until the child is old enough. And it continues in the end of the story. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives. Now, here she is traveling. I imagine she kissed that baby's fingers and toes and studied his face because she had made a promise. And her promise was, 
She was going to give up the one thing that she had prayed the hardest for, hoped the most for. The one great gift was to give her child back. And I imagine that was a hard journey. But there's something that happens in Hannah. And it says in verse um, 26, and she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood before you here praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed. And she, she must have pointed at him, held him, and look, this is the baby I prayed for. This is the baby I prayed for. What joy, you know. The Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also, have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, and he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. So we have this beautiful picture of this woman who something unique has happened to, and I'm going to go more, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the other woman. So I want you to go back in your Bible, because does this story remind you of somebody else? Go back into the book of Genesis, chapter 29. Do you remember the other women that suffered, that couldn't get pregnant? That's right, Leah and Rachel. We have a second story, very similar and I like this story. Um, here it is. We're in chapter 29, verse 16 and 17. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. Now I read in about three or four different versions before I preach. And most of the versions call her the weak-eyed woman. Yes, I thought this version was very sweetly put. But in the other versions, it's very clear she is the weak-eyed woman. I don't know, did one eye wander? Did she have Coke bottle glasses? Did they have those back then? I don't know. But she is weak-eyed. Now the sister gets this glorious. Here we go. Um, now... Leah, who was the weak-eyed woman, but Rachel was a beautiful of form and appearance. So here's the sister who gets this. She was gorgeous and beautiful and had a great shape. But then there was Leah, the weak-eyed one. You know? Okay. Imagine being Leah in this story. We read this story. This is an old story again. But you have this picture where here is Leah who her father, this young, handsome Jacob, has come along, and he's in love with Rachel, and he works for seven years so that her dad will let him have her in marriage. And guess what? Her dad, being the crafty little smart man that he was, said, I'm never going to get rid of this weak-eyed daughter. Nobody's ever going to marry her. I think I'll put a big veil over her, put her in the place of Rachel, and I'll let him marry her. So 
little drink, little wine, he wakes up and he's with the wrong sister. And he's like, wait a minute, you lied to me, you deceived me, how could you do this to me? And he said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. If you'll just finish the marriage week, I'll give you Rachel too, you can have her, but you know, work for me another seven years, right? So now we have a picture of two women in a horrible place. But I want to really look at Leah. In verse 30, it says, Then Jacob also went to Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked upon my affliction, and now my husband will love me. <sighs> then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. You do know these are the sons that began the 12 tribes of Israel. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now, this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name is Levi. And then she conceived again and bore a son and said, now, now I want you to look at these words. Now I will what? Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. And then she stopped bearing. So here is a picture of a woman who with every child, she said, I am so unloved. Maybe he will love me. Maybe he will love me. Maybe he will love me now. Have I done something to make him love me now? She is rejected. She is hurt in the deepest part of her being. Because now she can't even marry somebody else who might love her. She's stuck with this guy. And with his sister who's madly in love with each other. And there's a change in her. Because she stops waiting to be loved by this man. And she turns her eyes upon God. Don't take your complaints to others. Take them to God. She runs to God and she says, I praise God for this son. And something happens because out of this weak-eyed woman that could only get married by deceit, who is rejected, abandoned, despised, she is mocked every day of her life. Out of her, my friends, came Levi, who was, who was in the line of Moses and Miriam and Aram. Levi, who where all the priests of Israel came, 
came out of her. Out of Judah came a great prince and the kingdom of southern Israel is named out of her child. Her child, the one-eyed woman's child. Out of her comes the whole nation of the Jews. Out of her comes King David. Out of the woman who is rejected and unloved comes King David and his whole line. And out of him comes the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. She is the mother of the entire royal line of Israel. She is the mother of kings and priests and princes for a thousand years. The one, the unloved wife. Do not look at the outside. Look at what God can do. I am the weak-eyed woman. Crawl yourself to Jesus and ask him, ask him, ask him. When you turn your eyes from the love of the world and you turn your eyes from all those things that have failed you over and over and over and you turn your eyes to Jesus Christ and you praise God, you produce the most amazing train of salvation. This is the whole history that all of us, we are all out of this, out of this nation of Israel. And you know, she never even knew. I want to go back because her story's not over. But I want to go back to Samuel chapter 2. Because look at this response. This is the most amazing piece of scripture. Back over at Hannah's house. (laughs) Hannah, in chapter 2, breaks out into this joy. Something has changed because she stopped looking at the fact I need a child to be vindicated. I need a child to be considered a woman. I need this. I need that. If I just had a child, all my enemies would shut up. And something happens because her vision goes from this little answered prayer to seeing a huge, gigantic vision of the kingdom of God. And she cannot stop it. This piece of scripture is the greatest piece of scripture of joy I can imagine. She is standing in front of Eli and she goes, this child, this this child, maybe on her hip, that I prayed for, this is him. Look, he answered my prayers. And then she breaks into this song. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. 
for the Lord is God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded in strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for a piece of bread, and those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren have borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. I think that was a little under the line, like, to the other lady. The Lord kills, and the Lord makes a lie. She has gone from the place of, help me, Lord, I'm desperate and crying and weeping, to realizing God gives life, God takes away life. All life is in the hand of God. There is nothing that he cannot do. There is nothing. And here she is. I mean, God could have just walked away because she was a nobody. She wasn't a great mother of Israel. This was just a woman on the edge, the edges of Israel. And she all of a sudden says, I now know that God is in charge of life and death. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of the saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength, no man shall prevail. There is something about the fact that God answered her prayer, that her mind went from her condition and her place, and she began to see a vision of a God who was unstoppable, a God who was a God of reversals, that he took deserts and he made them into watering places, that he took people whose lives were so screwed up and he turned them into children of God. There was nothing. And she began to see a much wider picture than she had ever seen before and realized it was more than just her prayer for a son. It was for the salvation of the world that he had answered this prayer. And what God was going to do with it, no man could possibly do. You can make all your plans you want. You can try to be good all you want. I know I feel so bad at that. You can try to be good. You can try to witness. You can try. You can paint on your Christianity. It won't do you any good. You will not prevail because it is not by strength. It is by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon you when you ask in prayer. And the result, the fruit of seeing God bring to life what wasn't there, what was dead, is pure joy. 
pure joy. Now, I want to tell you a story about my friend. She is the third woman. I have a friend, and I lived in a, a little compound. I, I, I don't know what you call it, a little apartment complex where we had all women, and we used to work at a conditioning center. It was a place for home remedies and places like that. We had a lot of patients that came. And um, there was a woman that came. She was a quadriplegic. And one day, she just showed up at her house. She was visiting one of the other women that lived there. She was a friend. And one day, I was sitting in the living room with her. And she turns and she says, I need your help. And I said, sure, what do you need? And she goes, I need to go into the bathroom. So I held the door because it was an electric wheelchair. And I was like, okay. And I, she goes, where are you going? And I said, out here, wait. And she goes, I can't get on the toilet without your help. And I said, okay. So I somehow got her on there. And then I went, and she goes, where are you going? And she goes, I need you in here. Now, she had tiny little hands that were right here. She had spina bifida, and she'd had it her whole life. And then on top of it, um, I mean, she could drive. She had a master's degree in therapy. She was brilliant. And on top of it, she could drive. She had a special wheel that had a hook, and I don't know. She could do things, and she had shoes that big and whatever. She could reach pedals and things. But she got in a car accident in the snow and broke her neck. So whatever she had at that point, she, and, and, and oh, it was so sad. But guess what? That's how she became a Christian. So her surgeon, she went to her and said, oh, well, we know what's wrong. You have too many bones in your neck. So he took out all of her bones, her neck, her spinal cord came out. And so uh, Seventh-day Adventist pastor, surgeon, not pastor, surgeon, met her in this horrible condition. And he fixed her. I do not know how he did it. God gave him wisdom. And he would invite her to his house every Sabbath for dinner, and they would go on a walk where she could go with them. So one day they were walking, and he, she said, he said, do you believe in God? And she goes, no, I'm an atheist. He goes, really? And he goes, so you read it? And she said, read what? And he said, the Bible. And she goes, no, I'm an atheist. Why would I read the Bible? He said, so you're just going to throw something away having never read it. You just decided you don't believe it. You don't know anything it says. Well, she thought that was just the craziest challenge she had ever heard. And she started reading it. And lo and behold, she ended up at our house in the wheelchair with me. She's, so as I'm leaving the bathroom, she's going, where are you going now? And she goes, hello, no hands, no arms. And I was like, no, no, no. I'll go see if I can find somebody to help you. I ran her out of the house. I'm like, there's nobody here. I got to help her. So I go in to help her, and I'm like, okay. And she goes, and I'm like, oh, we got through that. And she goes, I, I have to get in the shower. And I said, I don't think so. And she goes, 
no arms. No arms. And she just kept saying, no arms. And I'm sitting here going, ugh. Okay, so I got her in there. I propped her against the wall at home, at her home. She's a genius. She has all this equipment. She has shampoo bottle that attaches to the side, and you take your teeth with a string, and you pull it like that, and the shampoo pops on your head. And then she has a brush on the wall attached, and she just does this. Voila, does not need me, you know? But we weren't at her house, so, so I had to help her. And then she goes, so I close the curtain, and I'm walking out the back. She goes, where are you going? And, and, and she goes, you have to get in here and help me. And I was like, no way. <laughs> that is, not, I am not taking a shower with you, <laughs> you know. And she goes, I don't think you get this. I, I have no arms. And she goes, I'll, if I fall over, I'll break. And I realized she couldn't even hold herself up. So I'm like, so selfish. And I'm like, moping around. I said, okay, but I'm getting a bathing suit. So I got a bathing suit, turtleneck, long <laughs> <laughs> and I went in and scrubbed her up, got her back in her chair, and then she goes, well, I need lotion and powder. I said, now you've gone too far because I don't even do that for me. And she said, no, I need that. So I put lotion on her, and then I discovered she had two powder puffs. Oh. So I'm whoa, whoa, like a big cymbal. Whoa, 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 whoa. There was a powder, and she was in the middle going, <coughs> Like this. And, and she goes, when we get to heaven and I get arms, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So we get going and then we start talking and we complained about everything under the sun. So I, one day she came out I, because I have a very negative personality. That's who I am. And she did too. And so we were sitting there one day, and she said, you know, Nancy, we got to ask God to help us with this. Okay. What do we, she goes, we got to pray that God makes us thankful people. And I was like, okay, sure. And then she said, no, we do. We have to pray for this. We have to ask him. If you want it, ask him. And so I said, okay, so what are we going to do? She goes, we're going to do thank therapy. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a list and we're going to ask God to show us all the things that we should be thankful for. And she's like, okay. And she goes, and that way all day long we'll say, is this the best thing? Is this the best thing? Is this the best thing? And we'll have pick one thing each day. And when we see each other again, we'll talk about all these things that God did. And I thought, that sounds cool. The very next morning, the first day of thank therapy, I was working in a field with rakes and hoes and get, trying to clean up some weeds around campus. And all of a sudden, a, a van drives by and said, Nancy, you're on the list. You, we're going to go deliver a baby, and it's your turn. And I'm like, what? Okay. And so... I, I thought I would, I was just something I was curious about. I put my name on the list. There were 60 other people. They must have all gone through them. I don't know what, but it was my turn. And I get to this little house, and here's this woman giving birth. And it never occurred to me, if you go to a birth, that there would really be a birth. 
that I would have to see that. And the father hadn't gotten there, but when he got, got there, I calmed down. I felt much better after he arrived and was showing us both how to breathe because I didn't, wasn't doing well. And so it was a crazy, crazy experience. And I saw a human come into the earth. That day, I saw a human being breathe his first life, scream his first scream. And it was, I walked away just numb with it. It was so beautiful. And I got, I got to write this on my think therapy. And I couldn't wait to see, Air, to see Marilyn to tell her I got to see somebody born. Well, she called me that night. And she says, I can't wait to tell you my story. And I said, no, me first. I, gotta, I can't wait to tell you my story. And she goes, well, I'm telling mine first. So she was coming home from lunch in her electric wheelchair. She worked at Warm Springs, Georgia, which is where the Polio Institute, where uh, President Roosevelt went. Remember that place? And she was a therapist there and helped people who dove into rivers, broke their neck, and were paralyzed. She was the person that helped them because she was a quadriplegic to teach them how to get dressed, get to work, do things. And uh, she was the person that helped them because she knew exactly what they were going through. So she said, I was coming home, and I hear this bang on my front door, and I'm coming around the, the corner, and she said, and my door is open, and she said, I look into my apartment, and all my specialized equipment is laid in the floor, all out. Now, this is all equipment that only fits her. Typewriters that have, that she uses a, I don't know what you call it, a guard with a, a pen in it, so she can type. And she can type faster than me with all 10 hands, all 10 fingers. She could type faster than me. And so... She's, she has all this equipment, very expensive. And she looked around and realized that she was in the process of being robbed and the guy had just run out the front door. And I said, this is your thankful story, really? <laughs> and I said, ah! And she, I said, Marilyn, you're scaring me half to death. And she goes, no. I have been praying for months to get rid of my old stereo. I've tried to sell it. I've tried to give it away. And it was the only thing he took. So, yes, you should. So she said, she said to me, do you realize my angels in my apartment stood there and said, okay, you can take this, but you can't take that, and you can't take that. And he really had no choice. And she, we, we, we sat back, and as we continued to grow and change, and then one day, we were walking together, and we came to the pool where they used to take all the polio victims, and they would carry them in, and even the president had been there. But it had been slowly seeking into the field because the whole field was a hotbed. And as it's, it was sinking, I said, I want to see if it's really hot. And she said, she goes, yeah, I, I've always wondered too. And so um, I ran down the bank and I put my hand in it and it was, 
It was really hot water coming straight out of the earth. I thought that was amazing. So she, I came up the hill, and I said, it's amazing. And she goes, I've always wanted to feel it. She goes, every time I come by this field, I wonder what it really is like, where they carried all of those paralyzed and crippled people. And I just couldn't even stand it that my friend, that my friend couldn't run down the hill and feel that. And I look around, and I found a beer can. I run down the hill, I wash it all out, and I fill it up with the water, and I come up, and she says, oh, I can't wait. So she's wiggling her little hands. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to baptize you. And I just started pouring it on her head, and she said, when I get to heaven, I am so going to slap you. When I get my arms. And all of a sudden, I said to her, does it bother you that I have arms and you don't? And she goes, oh, no, because God has told me what my ministry is. And I said, what's your ministry? And she said, God has sent me into your life to break you of your selfishness. I was praying to get away from the place we were working for a couple days. And I'm at her place in Warm Springs, and I thought that was all. That was my vision. God, salvation was being poured on me through a person who felt she couldn't help anybody. All of us love to help everybody else. But when you're sick, and we have people that are listening to this now who have COVID and are suffering, and you think, I have nothing left to give. Yeah, you do. Ask God to use even this. And what she saw that day is that God was converting me because she was crippled, because she was paralyzed, because she had had this horrible life of craziness. And because of that, he saved me from my crippling soul my self-centered, twisted, paralyzed person who couldn't even help somebody who didn't have arms. Do you get it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is our salvation. The joy of the Lord is taking the weak-eyed woman and making into a mother of kings and priests. The joy of the Lord has taken a woman and giving her a baby that will become the greatest prophet who anointed King David, who changed Israel. We do not know what these small things are, but today I ask you to just give all the situation around us Give everything you are, and you might think you know what you're praying for. Pray for salvation. Lord, fill my heart with joy. And I'm just going to, and I'll ask the guys to come forward. I'm just going to read the last verse. I do. She was, 
She's a very precious person to me. I so much wish I could find her. This is in John chapter 16. It is not a time for us. We're seeing things happening around the world. This is why I preach this sermon. Because we don't just want temporary happiness. We want peace that brings joy. And it's a fruit. We've been told these things will happen. That there would be dividing. That there would be hatred being poured out. That there would be things as never before. It doesn't matter to God. Listen to this beautiful piece of scripture. 1620. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. This will not be easy. But the world would rejoice. And you will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that human being has born into the world. We will forget everything we sacrifice when we see the salvation of Jesus it will bring us so much joy and so much peace to finally be at rest therefore you now have sorrow but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you that is the fruit of walking with a living God. Nobody can take your joy. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. We are not asking enough. We are not asking enough. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? This is in verse 31. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, it is now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. We are scattered. We are not alone. All of you at home, and I have been visiting people in their homes, you are not alone. The Father is with you in your house. We are all still with you. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's going to be a moment where Leah walks through heaven and she sees all the kings that came out of her after she walked all those years alone with a husband who did not love her. 
She's going to see us. She's going to see kings. She's going to see priests. She is the one-eyed woman. I mean, the weak-eyed woman. We are the weak-eyed woman, and we're going to watch the victory as the salvation that has been poured out on Leah and the joy. How can she express that joy? The joy that can never be taken from her. She never knew the end of the story. Praise God for the joy that is before us. There are good things coming. Jesus told us about this. Hang in there, <laughs> you know. Joy, weeping indoors for the night, but joy comes in the morning. All of heaven rejoices when one soul, one soul, buried in sin and brokenness, when one soul comes to God, heaven rejoices. All of the angels sing because that's how valuable we are. I'm sorry for the plug. This is a book we've been reading with my neighbor, Gail. The woman of the Bible speak. If you want to learn more about these ideas, she's amazing. Um, and then I added my own thing. Uh, we'll sing and then pray.
Let us pray. Yes, Jesus, yes. Yes to all of it. Whatever you have promised, yes, do it in us. Walk with us, talk with us. We're so stupid and blind and we're so broken and hurt and rejected. But you have suffered all those things. Lead us out of here. Show us a higher plane. Give us the inward joy of knowing that you are working in us, saving us every day. And that in saving us, you have a greater vision, a greater plan. Bless all those who are at home and can't be here. Bless us, Father. Give us the love and the joy and the fruit can never be mandated away from us. Let our souls be free and help us to reach the people around us that are looking for you. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.